0: Hi, everybody. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Whatever you celebrate. Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, the whole bit. Happy holidays, everyone. It is, uh, let's see, it's Monday. I don't even know what the date is on this, uh, this here fine day, BC. What day is it? Oh, today's the 26th. Yeah, it's Boxing Day, Luke. It's Boxing, Boxing oh, Day. Oh, that's right. It is Boxing Day, which means it's going to be a big day for the Premier League over for our f- friends in the UK. Uh, hi, everyone. Morning Combat. My name is Luke Thomas, one half of your hosting duo. I join you, of course, from the capital of Estados Unidos, right here in Washington, D.C., joined by my You know what? I need to give you a new title, BC. I'm going to call you chief antagonist. <laughs>
1: I feel like that's a good way to describe you. How are you doing, B.C.? (laughs) Osama bin Campbell in the flesh. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Uh, Merry Christmas to you. Right back at you. And uh, Merry Christmas, as you mentioned, and happy holidays to all our fine, amazing listeners. Hope you uh, were with the family. Hope you enjoyed it. And, you know, unplugged from the stresses of regular life. uh, In the space time continuum, we are recording this before the holidays, but you're getting this now unboxing day because we don't want to leave you hanging i mean i don't think our rivals Luke, who come in second to us in the awards balloting are putting out a show today but this ain't just one of those like coach peters in high school just roll out the ball so he can go down to the office and you know chart x's and o's for the football game that week and drink hooch you better <laughs> believe it uh this is one of them where we're actually taking a serious glance at uh what might go on in 2023 in the UFC and MMA in general? I'm talking about prediction time, Luke. And you love making predictions. So yes, let's I, predict I, things, too. Right? You know, let's
0: let's <laughs> let, let's bang. Let's bang. All right. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go by weight class and give you some predictions. Listen. We don't I don't know what the hell is going to happen in 2023, but definitely some things we're watching, definitely some things that are on our mind. You can agree. You can disagree. You can comment below about who you thought was right or wrong or what your predictions are. We'd love to know. But just some things that are definitely on our mind. We're going to go from heavyweight on down on the men's side watching on YouTube. Thumbs up. We appreciate that. Hit subscribe if you're new here. Happy Again, Merry Christmas to you and all that good stuff. Of course, um, if you want to give us a nice review, on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That'd be so nice. We really appreciate that as well. we love all our podcast listeners. Always weirds me out when we see people and I meet them. They're like, yeah, I never watched the show. I only listen to the podcast. I know. Yeah. I know.
1: I'm, or, and they're like, yo, but I love Have You Seen This Shit? And you're like, that doesn't make it, sense. Yeah. I
0: don't know how that's a thing, uh, but apparently it's but a thing. You-
1: if you guys are wondering how many stars to give, five. Okay, grab it by the the satchel. Five stars. Okay, get a get a full handful there. Thank
0: you. Uh, and of course, as a reminder, all that good stuff: Showtime.com, thirty day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. MorningCombat.store, all that good stuff. Don't forget London, London, February eighth. We're gonna be there. Get your tickets now. All that stuff. Uh, we'll put some information in the description box below and all that other. Oh, we got right, it. That-
1: we now that Appleton's coming. We got to look into what security measures they have there, Luke.
0: Yeah, let's just make sure we get a nice big bouncer who can chuck him out on the street by this yeah. shirt collar. All right, BC, if you're ready, let's get this party started, yeah?
1: Yeah, I mean, you're an ex-bouncer, but there's, I don't know if there's such thing as that, but let's just get into the predictions look, okay? You know?
0: Right. I don't think that there's the same amount of nobility in fighting in uh, <laughs> the, the bars as opposed to the, yeah. uh, the military. All right, BC, we're going to start with heavyweight prediction time. Now, I don't know if you want to go first, if not, I can go first, but I'm going to guess on this one we're probably not too far apart at least in terms of who we're talking about. BC, what's your big 2023 prediction for the heavyweight division? I know you want me to have a John Jones prediction
1: and it's like our old our knee jack knee jerk knee jack. Wow. Our knee jerk reaction to, you know, what this division might look like next year. We're all waiting for John Jones's arrival. But don't forget the Francis Ngannou saga is just as important and and uncertain. So here's my guess for 2023. Francis Ngannou does resign in time to make two big appearances Mm. and Francis Ngannou finishes off the new year with knockouts over John Jones and Cyril gone in the rematch, which if that happened, by the way, he's your fighter of the year for 2023 and probably just stamped his ticket to hall of fame immortality. I mean, we're talking about something big here, but Luke, uh, we need to see him respond from the knee injury. Yes but not out of the question that this predator, that this heavyweight 2.0 finds a way to figure out how to be as dangerous as he once was. This is possible. You know it is at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, you know what's funny? I'm actually going to give you my prediction as well because they dovetail together, although mine was slightly different than yours. Mine was that John Jones fails to win the heavyweight title in 2023, which doesn't mean he won't win it eventually, which doesn't mean he won't win it at all. That's not really exactly what I'm saying. But the idea that he's going to come back in 2023 and then just take over at the very top of the division, of course, it is in play. As you know, we had to sit down with Chael Sonnen, who's been talking to Henry Cejudo, who's been training with him, and they think it's just a foregone conclusion. It could be. But as we've discussed previously, a long, long, long time off changing weight classes, obviously changing his body to make the weight class better. And those are all, in many ways, not bad things, right? They're not bad that he's doing that. Actually, it's pretty good. But I still just this this automatic coronation that we sort of talk about with him, I feel like is overstated. Let me pitch it back to you a little bit here. What gives you such confidence that Francis is going to be in doing this well after a time off for him, being knee surgery. And also he's not a spring chicken anymore either.
1: Because he has next freaking level mental toughness that was on display in one of the greatest, you know, fairy tale victories, move over. Couture, you know, decisioning Tim Sylvia, like this was heroic shit, what he did against Cyril Ghosn. That doesn't automatically mean the knee just recovers fully and we're back, but that, 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 that goes hand in hand with his contract. So if this happens that he comes back, Luke, he will have won some level of respect. I know some people say BC you're off on this Francis thing. Cause what he really wants at the end of the day is freedom more than anything else. Uh, he's not going to sign that contract with the UFC unless he gets Some strong percentage of exactly what he's looking for. Money, respect, freedom, combination. But he's going to get it, I believe, because this is, you know, at the end of the day, this is the direction he should go for history, for uh, all of that, you know, as a fan. Now, personally, he can do whatever he wants. But if he does that, Luke, I still hold firm on this. I believe John Jones is going to be great at heavyweight. But I do believe the Francis Ngannou that I saw knock out Stipe with a jab and just looked scary as shit. And then the mental toughness I showed changing his game and wrestling against Cyril Gaon, I saw, excuse me. Uh, I just believe that he comes back healthy. He still has a window of his prime, heavyweights, age late, all that good stuff where, dude, I mean, when he finds you, it's over. I mean, it really is, Luke, especially now that he's much better than he was in the first Snipe fight and so much more confident. This is not a slam dunk. This is a guess, a hope in some ways, a big prediction by me. But, I, but you do know at the end of the day, if, if that injury was just time off and it healed, he, you know, he can knock on anybody at any time. And I think his skill is only getting better along the way. So I think Jones beats everybody but him. How about that, mm. Luke? How mm. about that? Okay.
0: Maybe, I'm, I I don't think I'm too far apart. I, I think there's a lot of fights that John Jones really does win in the heavyweight division quite candidly. Um, But for some reason, man, I can't quite cross that threshold like you, that he's just going to go over there and beat the shit out of Francis and then take it. I mean, again, he might do that in a round, and then we're going to have to eat crow. But um, I'll believe it when I see it, I think is the way that I would put that. BC, anything else in the division you're watching? I'll give you an example. There's two more things I'm paying attention to. One is UFC related. Here's something I'm watching in 2023. uh, Not not necessarily predicting, because I don't really know exactly how it's going to go. But here's someone I got my eye on. How about Alexander Romanov? Alexander Romanov, not not that I think just 32 years old, which for heavyweight is not very old. He's got five fights in UFC. He's won them all, especially his last two over Jared Vandera and then Chase Sherman. This dude is, they call him King Kong. He's all over the takedowns. He's got high amplitude ones, good ground and pound, good riding. He's faced some good opponents as well. Folks sleep on the fact that he beat Juan Espino. That's a really good win. Uh, I I, I like what he's got. Also, I'll say this, we see for one championship, Bouchesha, probably one of the very best heavyweight uh, grapplers ever. Probably the best current grappler in all of MMA. I think that's pretty fair to say. Um, He's in with one. I think he'll be fighting contenders by the end of the year, maybe even for a title. What about you? Uh, great call on Romanoff, by the way, dude. It's going to be hard. to. It, it,
1: it's going to be interesting to see what is that ceiling. Does he just push right through it? Uh, I think Curtis Blades finally comes around and has his moment. So to me, what does his moment hmm. mean? Getting to the level where he is the number one contender at heavyweight. I don't think he'll break through and fight for a title this next year. But I just think, look, it's been so close to the top. T- two knockout losses uh, to Nganu and you know the one to Lewis, which surprised a lot of us. But I do feel like he's learned and come back stronger in each each step of the way. And, and he hasn't been without missteps at certain points, At you know, when he steps up high. But I think this is the year he figures out the formula to get the best out of himself. And we close this calendar year going, whoever is champion, whether it's John and Ganu Gan, who knows? Like, heavyweight could be wild and fun as shit this year if people are active. I think Blades will be that next in line and finally get his chance. Whether he wins it or not, it you know, could be matchup dependent, could mean a lot of things, but I'd like to see him finally get it. And finally, not that I have any intel on this, or but I'm just going by history. Fedor February 4th CBS against Ryan Bader for the Bellator title is supposed to be Fedor's farewell. But like this is a royalty engagement, not just because Fedor could ostensibly, as Luke would say, uh, retire as Bellator champion with this crowning moment, the last time MMA was, you know, I mean, I know UFC's been on ABC and Fox and all that, but, like, Strikeforce kicked the door open on CBS to do stuff like this and do it to large crossover numbers. Fedor was the centerpiece along with, you know, the Kimbo experiment at that point. Now Fedor is back. I just think win or lose. Imagine Fedor fighting, you know, over his head but losing dramatically. I just think he's going to come back, and I think if, and nobody knows yet in this post-streaming era, if the CBS attempt hits blockbuster ratings, the fact that like Silva Anderson Silva versus, you know, Fedor is still sitting out there like, dude, that is the ultimate CBS fight because the whole purpose of, of network TV is to try to pull back former fans or ones or one night only fans. That's a one night only fan thing. So, uh, you know, look, if Fedor gets iced here, uh, you know, I could eat my crow and he could walk away and be a great coach the rest of his career. But, uh, I just have a feeling he ain't done, Luke. If when there when there's this much kind of like royal, not history, but you know, this this he's in a great spot again, right? To 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 do something potentially big. You know, let's see, let's see what happens. You know, let's All see right. what books he reads. Fair let's enough.
0: See. Let's move to light heavyweight now. A lot going on in this division. BC, if I may, I'd like to go first on this one because I feel like I'm probably going to be way different than you. It could yeah. be wrong, I suppose. I think that up to three, and I'm not sure exactly which ones but I feel like you could get up to three of the current top 15 retiring next year. Right. Let's think about that for just a second. If you look at the rankings for, excuse me, for, uh, the light heavyweight division. Oh, now my, here we go. Uh, you have Glover Teixeira who has already been talking about retirement since this year on. So that's one you have Dominic Cruz who, uh, excuse me, Dominic Reyes. What am I saying? Dominic Reyes, who, you know, I think is he's pledged to continue, but his career is in peril. It's it's a fair way to put that. Khalil Roundtree has flirted with retirement at various points uh, in his run. Jan Blahovich is barreling down towards 40. He's not far from it at this point as well. Anthony Smith, I know, is not – I don't think he's, like, eminently retiring, but I know that he certainly doesn't have a ton of time left, and who knows with all of his injury loads. To me well, – but, by the way, Volkan Uzdemir so kind of in a similar position – to me, it's not at all crazy that you could get upwards of three of these guys, potentially even more, just calling it a day at the by the end of 2023, given what they're up against, and in certain cases, some of their ages.
1: Yeah, I mean, it shows how wide open this division is. Uh, I mean, I wonder if if you could put that for the light heavyweight or heavyweight division any year, that three in the top 15 may go, That's only because you can, you can hang later in age. But I think it does ring true to the era that we're in right now. You know, maybe – Maybe the best light heavyweight is Prochatsko. We don't know, but he's going to be out for a year and might not ever be the same. And maybe the best light heavyweight is Nkolaev, but he kind of got partial, I don't know, like not screwed, but a disputed loss. And it's like, and now he's not getting the next chance. So who knows? I mean, like, damn, I mean, this all ties in. I'm sure we're both mentioning Vadim Nemkov in this point. But if you were riding the train of Vadim Nemkov actually is the best light heavyweight in the world, which is a a, a scenario that's out there and in play, and could be true. He's got the best chance to prove that this calendar year with all the upheaval in the UFC. I mean, like, who's going to be uh, even Glover or Jamal Hill winning? Which plays? I'd better give you my one of my something to watch for, Luke. I think the winner of T- Tashara Hill, you know, gets hammered out by Ankaliyev to close right. the year. That- that's your new we champion. We have very so
0: similar predictions. Yeah.
1: They could be transitional champions. I mean, for for the bad luck of late or the weird decision making at Light Heavyweight, even though Glover has said publicly in the last week he won't do it. Imagine if he's in a war with Jamal Hill, like it's just a bloody war, wins it, and then it's like, sorry, guys, I know I said I wouldn't retire, but there's no better way to go. I mean, that would be the most, like, reverse karma. I mean, it'd be a great moment for Glover and his fans, but UFC would be like, are you kidding me? We cannot – does anybody want this title? You know what I mean? The, it's it's wide open right now, Luke, and that, that's, that's playing into all of our points right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, some of the other things I was going to watch were – Ankalayev, I think, eventually ends the year as champion. I think that's one thing I'm paying attention to. Uh, to your point, Vadim Nemkov basically solidifying his status maybe as the top 205er in the world. Certainly, I think you couldn't have a conversation about who is without him very much front and center in the conversation. Also, I'll add one more, dude. How about this hammer over in one championship? Anatoly Malikin yeah, beating the shit out of uh, uh, Rainier de Ritter. And I actually think he might defend both belts. And one, he doesn't have to keep necessarily the same kind of competitive defense schedule. He might end the year, but but he, he'll have to, he's the interim heavyweight champion and the full-on light heavyweight. I think he defends his light heavyweight belt continuously, however much that ends up being. And I think he'll eventually either get the heavyweight title if they can't come to some kind of deal with Arjun Buller, or I, I suspect he might even end up winning that contest. Dude, that dude is a motherfucking nightmare. Yeah. And I got to pay that- attention to, too.
1: Anybody that tuned in for the RDR fight or in reaction to it is like, how the hell is that guy a light heavyweight? One's rehydration rules allow you to, you know, these are 205-pound bouts that are really like 220, right? I mean, right. let's be fair here.
0: Right, yeah. right, right. Um, um,
1: Luke, I echoed one of your something to watch by by saying, look, I, I have qu- qu- huge questions if Dom Reyes will ever be the same. But I didn't give you my, uh, you know, and I don't want that to come true, by the way, this year. But, yeah, I've got monster questions about literally is Dom Reyes, like, is he done, Luke? I mean, I hope right. not. You know, he'll get another chance to prove that wrong. But damn, my prediction, though, is this. And it's related to Vadim Nemkov is that, you know, he might be the best light heavyweight in the world. So you ask yourself, well, what can he do this calendar year amid the upheaval in the UFC to sort of stamp that or cement that? And, you know, fighting Corey Anderson, a trilogy could be that. But, Luke, even though I haven't heard that this is in play at all, Gegard Mousasi recently lost his middleweight title to Johnny Eblom. He's a former elite light heavyweight who cut back down to to middleweight. I know he's always talking about wanting a heavyweight fight too, but how about Vadim Nemkov Gagard Musasi in 2023? And my prediction is if that ends up happening, Luke, that might be the best title fight globally that this division produces from the standpoint of like resumes, royalty on paper. You know, and that's not a disrespect to if like Glover wins and then fights Ankalaev, like well, I'll be tuned in for it, but that doesn't have the same, you know, legacy stuff to it as Nemkov Musasi would, and I think that'd be a hell of a fight. That'd be very interesting to see.
0: I think I think Nemkov does evil things to him, candidly.
1: Dude, but Musashi does have a way to kind of just reinvent himself or remind us that even at his age, he's still got another gear. I wouldn't put it past him is what I'm saying. To-
0: we, we, we've, this is one where we've disagreed considerably on, over the yeah. years, uh, sometimes to my own detriment, sometimes to, to yours. But it w- I, I do think that that is a fight that could, is very much on the table because he just won the, the lightweight Grand Prix. Like, needs some fresh matchups. You and know what the I mean? best way
1: Nemkov could... Add to his resume in short time is somebody with Man. that stature who's still yep. got, you know, a stroke. He's got something left. I don't know how much, but he's got, he's still got a decent amount left. I mean, Eblen handled him. That was shocking, Luke. Fair Very shocking.
0: enough. All right. We move, we move to the shocking. middleweight division, BC. I'll let you go first on this one. What is your big prediction 2023 for the middleweight division? You
1: know, I've been thinking about this. And in, in when you're kind of plotting the future of this division in the UFC moving forward, uh, post Poeton upset knockout. I'm just like, look, at the end of the day, we got to see this rematch. It's got to be next. Do not pass go. Do not sub in anybody else. Give me uh, Poetan versus Adesanya too. And, mm. you know, Luke, as it pertains to a rematch, like, uh, you know, I'm sure Izzy could end up even being favored on a betting line because let's not forget that for four rounds, he showed you exactly how you beat somebody as, as good and dangerous and, you know, and all that. But there's this thing about their story and their arc. I mean, Poetan's had his number Three friggin' times and has had to overcome and climb hills to get to where he is now and get, you know, the same type of attention and world acclaim. I mean, I know he's two division champion in glory, but him coming over the UFC and the quick run to the title. I'm starting to wonder, Luke, if he just has Adesanya's number where when they do this rematch, no matter if it's in Brazil or Australia or wherever, I wonder if he stops Adesanya even quicker the second time, Mm. even though my natural makeup would be, I saw what I saw for four rounds. If any, you know, Adesanya can win this fight. He showed us more often than not in that fight that he can control this. But dude, sometimes people just have the other guy's number. And I don't like to ever lean on that, you know, when it comes to a prediction, but I I do fear that. It always, it goes back to the couch when pregame preview and Chuck Mindenhall was like, we might be having this wrong. This is the Poiton redemption story, even though he won the first two meetings. This is not even about Adesanya. Look, it may be just that man's time. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you okay. can't fuck with that.
0: Yes and no. Here's my prediction for 2023. And I'll be honest, I don't really know exactly how it happens. Right? I don't what I'm about to say is I don't I'm not exactly sure what the mechanics are, but I think by the end of 2023, Robert Whitaker reclaims his title. That's what I think. He's been waiting in the wings for a while. I mean, as of the time of this recording. Uh, The fight with Paulo Costa is supposed to be in UFC 284 in Perth has fallen through. Uh, They may rebook it. They may not. But I think one way or the other, he's going to get next on that Izzy and Pereira rematch. Or even if Izzy wins, does he want to fight Rob again? I I I seriously doubt that. I just feel like Robert has been waiting, 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 waiting. And if you're right that Pereira wins again, we've said this before, his worst matchup is definitely Robert Whitaker. I I don't know, man. Robert Whittaker might get that belt one more time, and that would be something to be... That would really cement his legacy at middleweight, would it not?
1: Well, you know he's one of my favorite fighters. You know I like to refer to him as a living legend for a reason, meaning it just so happened he had Adesanya in his weight class, in his time and era, and, you know, came so close in the rematch, but after legitimately getting crunched in the first fight. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think this is a great prediction because there are ways it can happen, meaning, you know, they could do the rematch, and Izzy loses and then just says, hey, I'm going to to light heavyweight or is he could win and then say, Hey, I'm going to light heavyweight for all we know. And it could open the idea of a vacant belt or is he just goes, I need more time before I come back. Anything can happen. Obviously, you know, injuries, all that stuff. But if anything happens, Robert Whitaker's waiting next and you know, they'll put him in there against Pereira and it'll be a very interesting test that he'll be favored on paper to win. So yeah, Luke, I, he's not going to, I don't think he ever moves up to light heavyweight and if he ever did had success, but I, I don't think it, you know, I'd put a lot of money down if you said, are you going to bet before his career is done that he holds that title again? He's going to hold it again. Will it come next year? Very well could be. But um, I think Johnny Eblen, Luke, and Bellator is going to stay unbeaten for this year and really show us how good he can be. I'm looking forward to that. I also am going to have my eyes closely on Roman Delizze, who by them giving him Marvin Vittori in the UFC side that shows that they believe he's ready for big things. Could you imagine if the Delizze goes in there and, like, let's say, stops Vittori, who is so insanely durable? Imagine if that was the transaction that happened. You'd be talking, oh, shit, when do we match him up for a title shot? You know what I mean? Or, or, mm-hmm. or like, what? So, he's common, dude, and he may end up knocking out one of your heroes on the way to get there. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, I'm not a super fan of him by proxy, Luke, if you will
0: no but i understand but
1: i'm also afraid of him and you know he he tends to hang around with one of my favorite fighters so it's just all coincidental at the end of the day you know
0: so there's definitely that i'm going to add i think robocop gregory Rodriguez. i think he finds his way to the top 15 over on the one side you know de Ritter lost his light heavyweight title but he's still the middleweight champ over there so i think he holds on to that also bc this is a question for this division and the next one which is hamzat shemaev does he fight in 2023, he had middleweight. If he does, I think he does pretty well, but I don't know if he's gonna and what does that do to shake things up? So those are all of the three things in addition to Robert Whitaker's fortunes that I'm paying attention to there. Well,
1: luckily, Luke, my crystal ball is the answer as we transition to welterweight here in terms of my prediction for the year. It does involve Hamza Shumayev. Look, I think he could get a middleweight fight at any time, right? If, if everybody got sick and they needed a challenge, championship contender last minute, it would be him. If you wanted to do some weird Costa fight, it would be him, right? but I think they're going to give him the chance this calendar year to max out what he can do at welterweight before it might become that he just can't make that anymore, which is still, you know, in play after missing weight against Nate Diaz by so much. But my prediction is Luke that he wins the championship next year. At the end of the day, I just don't see, you know, from what we've seen, you can only go on the eye test. You can only go from what we've seen, but dude, from what you've seen in the cage, you know, it's like, I I do start to believe that that Burns fight was certainly Gilbert you know, a legendary warrior just going for it. But I also think Chemaev was like, okay, I'll play this game with you. Let's do this. Let's do it for the fans. I want to show you how tough I am. I think when he to- when he hones in on a title fight in this division and if he has to go through Covington first on pay-per-view or let's say Camaro gets hurt and they put him right in with Leon. I mean, there's a lot of scenarios here. Camaro wins back the title, then fights Chamaev. However the scenarios play out, we're doing the show a year from now with Chemaev as champion at welterweight because I just can't imagine anyone beating him so I, I can't bet against that until I see it Luke he has like has anyone ever done this to us just I mean you know we maybe boots on us right now in boxing maybe that's the equivalent where you're just like I, I know what I'm seeing I know I'm seeing something ridiculously special right here you know
0: fair enough I don't have one about Hamza but I got one with a, a similar sounding name I don't think he's gonna win enough based on his current ranking position to win a title although that certainly could happen but I think it's just inevitable. Shavkat Rahmanov moves into the top three. So I, I he is on his way. and I don't know who he's going to beat, but he's going to beat him. And I think he's going to remain undefeated this next year. And he will move into a position where either at the end of 2023, probably more likely the beginning of 2024, maybe the first, first or second quarter there, he's going to yeah. fight for a UFC title. I think that is just simply inevitable and coming down the line. Now, I will say also in this division, BC, two things I'm watching in one. Christian Lee had an amazing performance to become a double champ over there at welterweight. I don't think he holds on to it, though. I, I tend to think that that is something he he will remain the lightweight champion over there, but I don't think he's going to hold on to the welterweight one. It just seems like a little bit of a bridge too far, uh, given how the first fight went with Abisov and everything else. Also, BC, here's my prediction about this one. Ready? I don't think Sage Northcutt comes back next year, and I don't think he comes back ever. I think I think wow. that's a wrap.
1: No, he's a he's a he's a professional fitness model on IG, Luke. And by yeah. the way, I don't think anyone's ever put more time into to to abs and stuff le- than he. I mean, he's freakishly in shape, Luke. That's a business model in 2023, right? Like, just don't come back, dude. Don't come back. Yeah. The dude. what
0: would be your face was shattered. Like, what would be the point anymore? If you no. can make money doing something a lot safer, just go do that. Uh, you don't need to prove anything to the rest of us. And then lastly, BC, we can't have a conversation about welterweight without a big name yeah conor mcgregor now of course he's rumored to be fighting michael chandler that's what the ufc wants anyway that could happen at lightweight but it could just as easily happen at welterweight the now, guy is teasing even a move to
1: middleweight okay the middleweight is uh you know <laughs> middleweight is is a joke okay i mean you talk about matchup dependent. so the middleweight's a joke but um the things i'm watching echo right into that one of them luke i'm fearful for this okay You know it's not past the UFC. Let's say Usman gets hurt again and and, and has to continue to delay his return. Could Hamzak get the call against Edwards? Of course. Jorge Masvidal also could, Luke, like in a London stadium as like a setup for Leon to be the triumphant hero at home against the guy who three-pieced him, who's now – Three-pieced
0: him in the U.K. That happened in the U.K.
1: But who's also now decidedly past it in Jorge Masvidal, Luke? This would be worse at the time, you know, timing-wise, if they went this way, dude. This is worse than Dan Hendo at 46 getting the biz being, you know, rematch title shot. I, I don't put it past them that they might do this. I hope they don't, Luke. And I, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, it's just like when Jorge got the rematch with Kamaru, it was gratuitous at that point, in my opinion. Okay, now we're doing this too, so I'm watching that. Um, I think McGregor does return at welterweight. But I think he only fights once this year, Luke. And win or lose, I think he's going to leave more questions than answered, the answers in his lone fight. That doesn't mean he's going to shatter his leg again. But I just think that, like, he will come back. We'll get all excited. And then it will, you know, seriously, win or lose, it'll be, oh, okay. But he's decidedly, again, past it. You know, we're going to find that out in this fight. And I fear that, Luke, because he's been so fun to watch. My final thing to watch is this. Look, Dustin Poirier could, could still be in line. To, to, to make his way back to a lightweight title shot, especially given his name and history at this point. But, Luke, uh, I think there's a lot of, like, welterweight, non connor pay pay-per-view fights that will continue to slowly open up for him, right? I mean, like, if he gets the call and they need an event and it's like, oh, yeah, we want you to fight Masvidal, we want you to fight Colby, like, these type of fights. Dude, Poirier's in a spot right now, Luke, where he's already shown us more times over than not that, you know, this is the road he'd rather go and make the big money and be in these big fights then necessarily get back in line and get mahachov do you know what i mean
0: Luke? yeah although yeah. Uh, he's not gonna fight masvidal is that what you said
1: i'm throwing that out as the type of idea i'm talking about here oh okay? i see i see i see yeah,
0: yeah. you know like something that, to beat know, the path, that type
1: yeah. of fight where maybe if something falls through they you know because who do they call when something falls through do they call people in the rich franklin spot which is poirier is now in where you're still good enough and famous enough where nobody would go crazy if you got a Last minute title shot, or whatever, but you're basically in the bullpen waiting for them to use your brand in huge fights. And that's not saying that Poirier's uh passed it, dude. He just showed us how gritty and great he still is against Chandler, but um, there's going to be money to be made, Luke. He's he's in the spot now to make that, so uh, g- good for him. Okay, good for
0: him. all right, fair enough. We move to the lightweight division, the division of kings, or at least the one that has been the division of kings for the last few years, anyway. BC, uh, my prediction, my big prediction for lightweight, not a very not a very, I don't want not full of pomp and circumstance. Pretty straightforward. I just don't see any way that Islam Makachev doesn't finish the year as the lightweight champion. I know, of course, there could be. That doesn't mean, by the way, that Volkanovski can't win at 284, and then he has to get revenge on him. I'm saying, here's my prediction, when 2023 closes, Makachev's wearing that belt what do you think
1: yeah well not only will I you know stamp down on that and say you're right and that's the you know it's an easy prediction but it's a good one I mean he's gonna be the pound for pound king after he beats Volkanovsky so this is gonna be a monster year as he continues to it, weird like show us he might actually be as great as be. like that's not out of play yet uh, you know what I mean like this is just I mean look he's in a spot to show us greatness my prediction Luke goes along with that below Mahachev on top this top five is going to get I think completely overhauled like the top five as we see it right now in the rankings is not going to be the top five none of those guys are going to be in the top five at this point next year and it's not some bold prediction either when like this was the old division of kings and those kings are aging and when you age you either fall out of the rankings or you move up to welterweight and fight action fights um this is the division where I think most maybe along with women's flyweight right now under valentina where there's the most amount of young talent that are coming the hell on right now and appear ready and i can't believe i'm saying that about 125 for valentina because just feels like an hour ago there was nobody for her to fight but there are young you know aggressive (laughs) hungry fighters coming on and the same thing at lightweight dude those hammers are here so both of our predictions i think are obvious
0: luke they're obvious all right, so something I'm watching, this one also feels kind of obvious, but just as a reminder, remember, in 2023, Bellator is supposed to be doing a 155, a lightweight Grand Prix, which if you look at some of the names in there, it could be kind of fun. AJ McKee, Tofik Musayev, obviously you can go a lot of different directions. BC, I don't think it matters. I think at the end of the day, Usman Nurmagomedov is going to win all of the fights in that tournament, and he's going to win the whole thing outright. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, because I don't actually think it's going to be easy, but I think he's going to get it done.
1: Well, Luke, I took your prediction on Mahachev and just at, trumped it up by saying he'll also be the best fighter in the sport. Uh, Usman Nurmagomedov may end up using 2023 to become the Bellator pound-for-pound pound king en in, in route to defending his title. Because, Luke, in this tournament, he's going to have to fight killers and look, I think the fight to make for Bellator for next year is Usman versus uh, AJ McKee. Like, oh my God, the hardcore fan that is somewhere inside of me, Luke, people think that, you know, the casual has pushed that out, but I still holding some hardcore in here and damn, that's my hardcore Super Bowl right there. You know, he does that. He eventually, I mean, you know, like who knows he could end up fighting Patricio one day. They're going to give him that chance to become that he's going to be the best fighter in Bellator, which I think that, is going to make Habib the best coach in the world if both those things happen. But we'll get to that later in the show, Luke. All
0: right, fair enough. We move to the featherweight division. Oh, I had you one know, more this... thing,
1: Luke. I'll oh, say oh, it in yeah, one sorry. sentence form. Uh, Charles Oliveira is going to turn back into a pumpkin this year. And that doesn't mean he's going to get knocked out in consecutive fights or anything. I'm just saying this. The greatness that we saw, I just don't think it's sustainable because yeah. of the risk the taking and all that. The hot streak is over. It doesn't mean he won't win a fight. That doesn't mean whatever. I just think he's going to come back down to earth at, at where – you know, what the rest of his career is going to look like. So don't, don't shoot the messenger, but how Good could yourself. he keep that shit
0: going, Luke? How could All right. He? Fair enough. On to the featherweight division, BC. I'll pitch to you first. Give me your big prediction for 2023 in the 145 pound division.
1: All right. There's been eating at me. Cause you know, I'm a Brian Ortega super fan, right? I just respect the guy a lot. He makes the most fun fights possible. What he eats at me, Luke, is that every time he does get another title shot or another big fight, he puts on a damn near fight of the year in his blood and guts, but you do question like, well, is that the best use of his skills? Or, or is this the best use of his, you know, long-term future and health? Or is he just that dude that makes fun fights? Well, he is that just that dude, but look, he's also really happy in his life right now. This seems to be like domestic bliss, Brian Ortega coming through. And I think considering he's still young enough right now at 31, that there's one more big run in, in him where he, Finds a way to use that 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 formula and find the balance of the force a little bit better. So my pick is domestic bliss fuels Brian Ortega into a revival in 2023 where mm-hmm. he works his way into position for a third title shot. He's going to have to beat the very best. It seems he only ever wants to fight the very best, and sometimes he comes up just short. But, Luke, I think he's going to figure out how to use his main best skill, his jiu-jitsu, as a weapon rather than as a Hail Mary. And he's going to rein in that that lack of uh, defense or lack of intention on defense, where he just walks straight in on people and just goes mano a mano. And if he can do that, there's some subtitle matchups here where I think he's going to surprise us. I think he has a big year. But that's also just because I love the guy, Luke. So you know, I could be looking through um, giant you know Coke bottle glasses here that are all fogged up, right?
0: <laughs> Steamed up is the better way to put yeah, that. I think. Yeah. BC, I don't have a great prediction for this, although I do have some things I'm watching in 2023 I do want to talk about. My prediction is pretty simple for 2023. Dude, Volkanovski does not end that year as anything other than the champion. He's so far ahead of the competition at 145. They cannot catch him. So let me get to the two things I'm watching in 2023, which to me is much more interesting. One, BC, what happens to Max Holloway? Does he stay at 145? Does he go to 155? does he retire? It doesn't seem like he's going to retire, but what is he going to do? What is his path back? As long as Wolkanovsky's there, I don't, I don't know how this is going to go. That's the first thing. The second one is, I think 2023 stands the best chance of being the year of Arnold Allen. It is time for him, and he does appear ready for a big step up in competition. Obviously, he didn't get a chance to fully actualize that this year um, based on the injury that happened in his last fight to his opponent, but Um, You get what I'm saying? He is, he's ready. He's ready for a move. He has been diligently building his skills, but has been something of like the Gary Russell of MMA, where he's just not competing often enough, despite how good he is to really, you know, just truly advance through. I think this year with the UFC, by the way, traveling more to the UK, the UK being a more of a hub, He's going to get more looks. He's going to get more chances. And I think he's going to really elevate himself to a title contender this coming year. By the way, the UFC is looking for fresh matchups. I mean, we're going to get the winner of Josh Emmett and obviously uh, um, uh, El Pantera, The um, Rodriguez. Yeah. Who? Uh,
1: We're talking about Rodriguez. Who are we talking about? Uh, No, the uh, God, my brain doesn't work this year. Yeah, I mean, we're we're
0: two washed, absolutely (laughs) pathetic pieces of garbage here. That it's I can not see
1: Rodriguez. His... No, no,
0: yeah, y- 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 Rodriguez. Yeah, Rodriguez. Okay,
1: so I wasn't being racist, I was being right. Thank you. But you're okay. being right.
0: No, I wasn't accusing you of that, I was just accusing you of being washed like me. But yeah, we... I was so, washed so...
1: in the moment. I'm like, I think it's Rodriguez, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah.
0: we know Volkanovsky has to fight that, but he's probably going to fight one more time. And who's it going to be? They're going to look for some fresh contenders. Zombie's out, or take it to your point, has got some rebuilding to do. Max has had three chances. They're going to start going down the list. I think Arnold Allen might really assert I mean, himself he- this year into that position.
1: Until he gets tapped by Ortega, I agree with you, Luke. He should have a strong <laughs> year, a chance to prove it. Um, Luke, I'm going to be on the lookout for Shane Burgos in the PFL, if he can potentially Ooh. make a run in their featherweight tournament, which that's a fun division for the PFL, Brendan Locknane right? Luke, that's the that's the same weight class, connect, correct?
0: Uh, I believe that's right.
1: Brendan Locknane had to go one war after another to get to this point, so it'd be interesting to see an action hero like Burgos, who, by the way, Dana White, remember he said publicly that they they the plan was to re-sign him and bas- basically Dana threw somebody under the bus and said somebody fucked up and they didn't so uh you know he's got he's got a lot left uh Ilya Taporia obviously is coming on Luke I think he gets a chance to clean out the old guard that's left in the top ten you know like some of your favorite fighters are inav- inevitably going to be offered uh, a fight at him and that's going to be their biggest opportunity and they're going to get knocked out this guy's coming the hell on uh my wild card something I'm watching Luke I, I did oh wow I kind of said the same thing about Fedor. But I just didn't believe that Jose Aldo's really done when he was done, Luke. So, hmm. you know, could I could I see Jose Aldo waking up this spring and just feeling really good one day and being jacked as shit and looking around and going, you know what, I should move back up to Featherweight where I was the king and I should just make really fun, you know, like celebrity matchups that are wars. Yeah, for a lot of money and, and respect because this is how I'm wired and this is what I do. Yeah, the king's gonna come back, Luke, at one four, five. Okay. And we maybe imagine if he rematched Connor at lightweight. God, I love fun matchmaking, you know?
0: That'd be crazy. Damn. That'd be crazy. Yeah. All right. He would take that mo- in a
1: heartbeat, dude. You better believe he would.
0: All right. We move to the bantamweight division. Now, the true division of kings, at least currently at 135 BC. I'll go first with my prediction. And again, not exactly sure how it happens here. Not exactly sure the mechanics of it. But I'm a big believer in his ability. I'm not a big believer in his comedy, but I'm a big believer in his ability, even though I poo-pooed a fight between him and Volkanovsky because I do think he has some work to do. But I think by the end of 2023, Henry Cejudo is going to reclaim that belt. I think he is a generational talent. I think he is extremely special. And it was unfortunate he retired when he did, although I understand his circumstances. It's unfortunate that he went to son's birthday party, but nevertheless, abilities are abilities, and he's got them. I think he's going to be your champ next year at some point probably towards the third or fourth quarter of the year but I think he gets it done. What do you think?
1: That should be a lot of Eric Alberacine on the timeline, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Tons of tons of captain captain America. By the way, not Captain America. He's Captain Americas, right? That's yes. what they call the North and South America the Americas. So he's Captain I- Americas.
1: Well, I'll say this. This division, for me, is the hardest to predict who ends next year as the champion. Not just because it's the deepest and best division at the moment, but because it seems like a lot of these potential matchups are in flux. And because of O'Malley having won the big fight with Jan, he could lap everybody and get the shot. So I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't I, – I cannot, though. You know, it's like, did I – Did I pick against Cejudo in in almost like every single one of those big fights before he walked away? Yeah, like I was, he had to prove it to me in historical context to show me how great he is. Yeah, he's great, Luke. I'm going to give him that chance, like you, to prove it. I don't know if he reclaims the title, but my prediction is this whether it comes in the title form, interim title form, or just a grudge rematch, Cheeto Vera stays being Sean O'Malley's kryptonite, Luke. I just feel like the meanness. Hmm uh the, the the where he's at in his career and I think look could O'Malley win the championship absolutely he could but you know yeah he, there's still things Sean O'Malley has not fully shown us on this elite level and no one's gonna forget the way that that verified ended and how it ended so Vera's even better and hotter and angrier than he was then Luke I, it could happen in the championship but I mean that's the thing Chito Vera could be your champion dude people could get hurt and Marab could become champ like you don't know True. what's gonna happen here Corey True. Sanhagen's still alive you know what I'm saying like Watch out.
0: It's so many dynamic, rising, surging, incredible contenders in this division. Tell you something else I'm watching in this division, BC. First thing, I don't think Sergio Pettis ends 2023 as the Bellator champ. It's either going to be Ralphie on Stotts or, you know, dude. patchy mix looked so yeah. good in his last fight? It might be him, but either way, I think one of them, has got Sergio's number. I think they end that. Also, small little thing. You didn't get a chance to fully have it actualized between Fabricio Andraj and John Lineker in in one because of the whole thing ended up in a bit of a disaster. But I think by the time the year ends, Fabricio Andraj is going to be your champion over in over in one for the Bantamweight division.
1: Not a bad pick. I'm looking for Patchy Mix the same, the same Luke. I think he just keeps winning this calendar year, and that could end up being uh, one million dollars the the championship. If you know, if he wins the tournament and then beats Pettis, I mean, God, can you imagine him again? Imagine if Patricio ever did fully cut down and the, to thirty five, and then it was him and Patchy. Dude, Patchy could just stay winning right now. I mean, he could be on one of those runs. We'll see what happens. Also, I think Aljo and Marab are going to end up staying friends because this the uncertainty atop the division. Like Aljo could run the table. Who knows? We have no freaking idea. But I think it's just, dude. Any fight here, the belt could go. So uh, Aljo won't end up having to fight Marab for the title. But yeah. Fun. do you think Marab gets the title level? He's he's good enough, Luke. He I mean, here's
0: enough. the thing: he's got like he's got a couple of like the really important qualities. He can wrestle, obviously, and his cardio is maybe truly. I'm not even doing a bit. Maybe the best I've ever seen yeah. in the. Sport. He's a dog
1: too. He's an absolute. Yeah, dog. And he's
0: tough as shit. So like all of those things really put him in contention. I just wonder, like against Jose, he couldn't really. a whole lot plus it was at elevation you know like there's some fine tuning of his game but if he fine tunes it this next year he's gonna be tough to beat he's gonna be tough to beat um all right at the flyweight division bc you go first give me your big prediction for the men's 125 division in 2023
1: I said Bantamweight was the division that's hardest to predict who ends holding the title. I think the easiest division that uh, to predict will be the hot potato division, maybe outside of men's light heavyweight. The, that bell could change hands multiple times this coming calendar year. My prediction is that three different fighters end up being UFC flyweight champion by the close wow. of the year. So that would be Figueredo coming into the fourth fight with Moreno, which, look, we asked a lot about Figueredo in the third fight at 34 to you know stay in a division that he could barely make the weight and try to go in there against a guy that just stopped him. Imagine if Moreno wins it. And then imagine, Luke, if Moreno fights KK France in a rematch, Fight who else is coming on. I mean, this division's got some some good names in it in the moment that, that are, you know, there's parody for sure, but that parody plays into the possibility that Raw Dog Roival, that Nikolau who's on that win streak, Luke, anybody could be coming on here. So I like the craziness of the division. The other things I'm watching quickly is where does Askar Askarov end up signing? if Unless he signed somewhere and I missed it. Because he left on his own terms. He could be a plus for any other global federation that has good flyweights. And Raw Dog Royville, in particular, Luke Brandon Royville, who has a very exciting, flashy, well-rounded game, but loves to fight. And I think sometimes gets too crazy. If he could turn back the Raw Dog a little, I think he may end up turning the corner this year and and becoming a fixture in these rankings and and, and a you know, putting himself in position to fight for that title. So I'm expecting a big year from him, Luke, because it's in him. He's long. He can sub you. But, dude, he I think he plays the – like me on this show, Luke. You know what I mean? You say I all I do is play to the fans. All I do is try to pick up on what they don't like about you and exploit it like some disingenuous friend, Luke.
0: Yeah, that is, that is what you do. It's
1: kind of accurate. It's all right. I'm sorry. You know, all I can do, Luke, is ask for uh, forgiveness after the fact, after we win all the awards, after the fact,
0: you know? Yeah. We win the awards. You're forgiven. How about that? We don't win shit. Yo, we're fighting. That's the other one. All right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let's go to the, by the way, for for me, I don't have much at Bantamweight, excuse me, at Flyweight to say, except this. Again, our predictions are slightly different, but may end up in the same place. I think by the end of 2023, Figueredo goes to Bantamweight. Now, he might start the year at Flyweight, but by the end of it, he's he's up to another division. I think his ability to cut down to this weight class, and especially if Moreno beats him, I think I think he just moves on. It's going to be too much for him either way. Also, something to pay attention to: they've kind of downplayed it in the media, being like, "Oh, it's no big deal," which I just don't believe at all. But what does Brandon Moreno look like after the departure from James Kraus? Like, yeah. how do all these guys manage? And Brandon Moreno was something of the golden child over at Glory MMA and Fitness. Um, in this latest chapter of it, prior to all of these uh, incidents around betting being involved, so I'd be curious to see what that looks like. I'd be very curious. All right, uh, BC, let's go to the women's division now. I'm gonna group these together, these two divisions together, because I just don't know what to say about either of them. So let's let's talk about women's one fifty-five because it is a division that has at least got some news, and women's one forty-five. Let's talk about them together. Do you have any big predictions for 2023 for women's one forty-five and women's one fifty-five?
1: 155 i think it's a slam dunk one that this is going to be kayla harrison's last year with the pfl so that may that may be the fourth fight against pacheco uh you know maybe they eschew the tournament format and just run that as a pay-per-view rematch for the belt they and better. then whether or not you get cyborg to close the year or whatever they don't have anything to keep her there Luke. i don't think they i don't think they do outside of the million No, i don't downplay the million or how intelligent that cage might be but uh There's history at play, and Kayla's actually not 25. Luke, isn't she like like? I mean, she's in the midst of her prime right now. Yeah, remember she
0: she, remember she has two Olympic medals. so That's just an eight year cycle. Uh, Let me let me double check. I think she's 32. Let me double check. Yeah, so I
1: mean, it's it's time. She knows it's time. Um, could the could the division stay alive after that in the PFL? Maybe because it's been going for a few years and they've been cultivating talent, and Pacheco is seems seems to be absolutely legit. But Luke. It folds into my prediction for featherweight too, dude. Um, I don't think they ever even have a UFC women's featherweight title fight this year. I think Nunez is, has the potential to have, to be tied up, at, you know, too much at 35. That there's no rankings on the site. We always make that joke. So I don't know if if Kayla leaves after next year. I don't know if they do a a PFL women's 155 anymore. I don't even think they do a UFC 145 anymore. I do think it's still in play that if Kayla goes to UFC in 2024, that somebody gets my idea and I'm sure others have had it too about the women's heavyweight catch all division. I think that's very possible because I don't know how else you're going to make Kayla who she's supposed to be in a division 45, which she says I can make like, you know, once in a while for big fights, but um, so I, I think that all plays in where you'll you will see huge upheaval in these outside divisions, meaning outside of 115, which is always stacked and loaded 125, which is starting to, you know, become something now. Um, I don't know, you know, unless they do women's heavyweight, these divisions may only pop up or down based on star power, Luke. And if, you know, th- these things, meaning Kayla and Amanda shifting organizations or divisions is going to play into whether there's a future there. There's no future at 145 for. Uh, ufc females unless they go heavyweight luke that's the only future there
0: yeah so 155 mine is almost exactly the same as yours uh kayla is probably going to beat pacheco and then that's going to be it right so that she's going to be gone 145 is a little bit more interesting to me because if kayla doesn't end up there right at back at the ufc not back i should say at ufc what they're going to do is they're just going to wait till amanda nunez retires and then close the division right that's i completely agree they're not going to have a heart may, again if Kayla doesn't show up they're not going to have a 145 f- pound fight they're all 2023 and then if Amanda calls it a day which she may or may not but they're just going to they're going to close the division if she ends up there that changes it but here's the thing to sort of factor in BC I wonder about this if the UFC doesn't really have any designs on 145 would they really keep it around just to make one fight especially now that Kayla is not undefeated any longer maybe but what I think could really end up happening is uh, remember, I think Bellator made a big pitch and push, maybe. I think they did make a, uh, an offer for Kayla. What I tend to think might happen here is Kayla might beat Larissa, Larissa and get out of PFL. UFC just says, we're just not in this business anymore. And then she actually ends up in Bellator, in which case the 145 is closed in UFC. But they, they can make good use of her. Like, dude, here's the, here's the truth about it. Scott Coker and what that what the Bellator model does is better suited for Kayla in terms of catering to her interests long term. Yes. I mean than Scott Coker big gave, fight at UFC.
1: And Scott Coker gave Ronda Rousey the platform and helped promote her to get her UFC ready to, to take that leap and open up the uh you know women's fighting UFC. So could you imagine if that's an interesting scenario that I never thought about until you just mentioned it? That what if UFC does go forward with these other you know predictions we're making? Shut that shit down, say I'm sorry, Kayla. You know, unless you can make one fifteen, we don't have a big fight for you. Imagine cyborg versus Kalon CBS Luke. Seriously, imagine that. Imagine you know you could, that Kayla is is not exactly Ronda. No one's saying that, but in the Ronda ballpark, in some ways, accomplishments, legitimacy, of course. Imagine if that's the fight you put to Casuals and try to you know. I mean, of course, yeah. On, two guys gonna brilliant. come in Oh, I can't wait to hear what Tukes thinks about. No, that. no, no, no!
0: I had to lock that door. Sorry, yeah, so he was definitely going to barge in. Dude, that's that's uh, I'll also a very this, smart way. Kayla, Kayla Harrison, Kayla Harrison is a dream matchup for. Um, well, I should say this: she's a dream setup to be on CBS. Yeah, two-time Olympian, greatest yes. judoka in American history. You know, almost not quite undefeated, but you know, this decorated, athletic past, and you know, she's not she's good on camera, and all the stuff that we know about her. Dude, that is a great matchup on but CBS. Think about, that's exactly who they want.
1: Think about the synergy there. If that if that's a direction Scott Coker ended up going, and we're just putting fantasy ideas out there, like, he made, Scott Coker made Carano versus Cyborg, you know? I mean, like, right. Cyborg is such a legend that she was in the first fight that was thrown to the masses on a crossover level, and she could be in, you know, all these friggin' years later she could still be just as strong of a brand to kind of give the pro wrestling rub to Kayla Harrison, potentially. I mean, there's, that's, that's, that's central booking Luke. That, I mean, that's, that's, that's a beautiful calm around full circle there, you know?
0: All right. Let's talk now about oh, no, the... go
1: away too quick, Luke, quickly. Um, I'm watching. Espen lad doesn't have a division in PFL. we got to be really honest with ourselves. She Can't make 35 anymore. There's no 45 division in PFL and maybe they, use her as the fallback for Kayla's second pay-per-view opponent next year, which no one's buying. I'm sorry. I don't know what Esmolade going to do with PFL. Luke, I guess join the 55 tournament, but I don't know. Uh, the other thing is this, um, Arlene Blanco, you know, one of my favorite fighters in Bellator just signed what, you know, another contract Luke and she went to war in that rematch with Cyborg. And I think liked it. Um, be on the lookout if they end up making Blenko versus Sinead Kavanaugh, too. Imagine if they put that in Dublin. Uh, they fought once. Blenko won in a close fight. That fight would be a war. That's a little BC sloppy special on the radar that could happen, Luke, okay?
0: All right, let's get to the the real uh, center of the bullseye in women's MMA. All right. I'll get closer to it anyway. How about a bantamweight division? BC, I'll go first for 2023. Bantamweight division, women's division here we're talking about for predictions. Uh, this one seems to me like a no-brainer. I think they're going to make they're going to move heaven and earth to make Amanda Nunes versus Valentina Shevchenko yeah. three. Yeah. I, I just feel like you know, again, maybe Amanda doesn't want it and maybe she poo-poo's it, but I really, really believe UFC wants to see this a third time. They're going to make a push for it, and I I tend to think that in the end, the gravitational pull and significance of this fight will force the principal actors in place um, to get it done.
1: Not only do I agree with that, even though I, I'm sure I've predicted that in the last four years and it just didn't happen, but uh, I will add to that, Luke, that my prediction is Amanda Nunes accepts two trilogy fights in 2023 and both oh. at the bantam weight. So to be fair here, Juliana Pena is the only one that I think is even talking about the idea of a third Nunes fight. But imagine this scenario. You know, the UFC loves Juliana. She's, I mean, God, she's a great ambassador of the sport and her victory over Amanda in the first fight, even though she got dominated in the second, was just one of those storybook ones. Imagine if Juliana comes back in a big fight. I know, for example, Holly Holm has uh, uh, Jana Kunitskaya coming up, but imagine a Holly Holm level fight juliana wins that she's right back in the title picture imagine if amanda goes fights Valentina a third time but wins could they close the year with that luke yeah they could they very much could you know um pena versus amanda three who knows so that's not impossible to get two trilogies um holly Holm will probably stay ranked for the 25th straight year at this division luke bantamweight (laughs) if they'll have her i mean she may be you know Kunitskaya for all we know and my other uh uh oh that's all i got you got anything else for bantamweight
0: no not for in terms of things i'm watching but i do have one for the next division if we can talk about it all right so uh I, last week we broke the news that like at least what aaron blanchfield told us was she told us she was gonna be fighting tyler santos in february here's my prediction bc Aaron Blanchfield is going to have a title shot in 2023. I'm not going to make a prediction beyond that. And when I here's the way I worded it when I wrote these to our producer, she's going to earn a title shot in 2023. So she may not actually get the fight itself in 2023, but by the time the year closes, it'll be clear she's the number one contender and she's ready for that. Uh, The UFC has designated her in that position. Do you agree or disagree? Where are you? Look,
1: I wouldn't have guessed that. She would get the call ready for Tyler Santos, who's coming off, you know, pushing Chev to the limit there. I hate when people call her Chev or Chevy. Like that's so that's so lame, Luke. It's put some respect on that Chevchenko name. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm fully in agreement on that, Luke. Uh, ultimately, that Blanche Field, if she beats her and she damn, she's not nervous at all. I mean, if you, she goes out there, beats Tyler Santos, she's gonna fight for the title. Absolutely, Luke and she's young and they would they you know she's coming on. Uh my prediction as it pertains to women's flyweight is I can, again can't believe I'm saying this but I'll I'll pull, fully put it out there. Women's flyweight next calendar year begins to legitimately rival 115 strawweight mm. as the best women's division in UFC. And I understand crazy crazy. Well what does a great division need? It needs certainly the threat of multiple potential champions, which Strawweight always has, it needs the consistency of making great fights. I think, look, we've seen some really good fights at 125 that doesn't get that stamp always of look, Strawweight once again comes through. But when you look at the top 15 right now, seriously, just six months ago, it felt like it was Valentina and nobody else. The top 15 right now, from Manon Ferro at number one, who's coming to hell on, to Santos, to division stalwarts like Chukagian, Murphy, Andrage is moonlighting in this division. You've got Grosso, who's moving into position. Araujo, is a tough out. And you even go down to Blanchfield, King Casey O'Neill, Macy Barber, Tracy Cortez, mm-hmm. Amanda Hebas in play. Look, those are building blocks for the future, but it seems like that future is like now. And you there see, are fun me, fights you want to see. You forgot a key in.
0: name, I believe. You forgot We've a key name. We've that key Namely, names name before. This was my on this thing show. to watch in this division, which only serves your argument the return of Tatiana Suarez. She could come back to this division and absolutely. Now, we don't know. She's been out for so long. She had the neck issue and everything. But, dude, if she comes back, she might just hammer through everybody along the way.
1: And, and look, I don't think pound for pound, talent for talent, 125 is as accomplished or as good as what we see in 115 but some of these 115ers like Hibas and Andraj are moving up because you can get a shorter path to big opportunity. Dude, 125 is fun. That's all I'm going to say at the end of the day. It's going to end up rival in 115. So you're right about Suarez. I hope this is finally the year. Look, what do you have on the best women's division that ever happened? One, 115. What do you got here?
0: All right, let's get to it. Strawweight. I don't have a great prediction because, one, it's partly unpredictable. I think, two, it's due for some turnover in certain places except at the top. When you just look down that roster, I mean, there's great fighters everywhere at 115, but the way that Zhang Wiley has been looking, I just don't know who the hell is going to beat her. Of course, we always say that, and there's these crazy upsets at MMA, but my prediction for 2023 is, dude, she's going to remain the champion in that weight class, even if she has another fight with Rose or whatever the case may be. That that she is better athletically. She's so much more well-rounded now. She can wrestle. She has legitimate subs. Her ground and pound is terrifying. We always knew she was good on the feet. Fast, athletic. I mean, I could go on and on about her. Zhang Wiley is the best in class at 115, and that's not going to change in the next year.
1: Well, Luke, my prediction forces that to change. My prediction, no surprise to anyone listening to this show, is that Rose Namajunas is still the motherfucking best. And she proves it again. And I don't mean to start sounding like Pat Berry with his theory on like every three or four fights, this happens. But if you look over Rose's career, every three or four fights, Luke, she goes from dominant wins in a row to one where, you know, she just barely loses like the split decision against Carolina when there was upheaval in her personal life at the time, or ones like getting dropped on her head or just this one against, uh, the rematch with Carlo where, look, you know, you can't forgive her for that. It was an it was an awful fight and an awful game plan and performance. There's a lot of, that's awful about it. But, Luke, she has that ability when she figures it out and puts it together to be better than anybody else. So the reason in particular why I believe I would give her the edge against, like you said, somebody like Jung Wiley, who is as scary as she's ever been and is proving that she's got, like, all-time great metal in her. Like, she's a legit – like, she is that that woman, you know. She's that chick. But is there one hole in Zhang Weili's game on the elite level? I think it's her defense, Luke, which is why that joanna fight was somewhat surprisingly that close, that first one, that blood and guts war. Rose, t- timing-wise, accuracy can piece uh, Zhang up and has done it, Luke, in two different fights in various ways. Second fight, very close. Yes, you can make an argument for Weili on the scorecards. But, dude, Rose just has her number in the striking, and I think they'll always make close fights together and Rose will win it. So um, I'm looking for a a big one out of the thug once more because that's what she does. I'm also going to be looking, Luke, to see if Mackenzie Dern can figure out her own striking issue. If she can, she's a title threat. She's an absolute title threat. She's certainly a title threat in a Brian Ortega way in any matchup at any given time if it goes her way. But if she doesn't figure it out, Luke, she's never going to max out. I mean, is it? But, see, oh, this, the- on,
0: but it's not just her striking. I did a tape study on her for my personal channel. Her ground and pound is a major problem. A major problem. There's a lot of ways to to make the argument, but I'll, I'll simplify it in this way. She uh she likes a lot of positions that make a transition to the submission quicker. Right, so she'll ride very high on the back, but if you're riding high on the back, for example, you're unstable. So, to stable herself, she'll plant her forehead into the mat and then kind of punch. But these are mechanically not advantageous positions from which to punch with at all. You know what you need? You need that Roman Delize style where you have them, uh, you can drive hips into them, you can control a wrist and then really begin to unload on your power hand, whatever side that may be. That is a mechanically advantageous position. BC, see, she's still in her mind in terms of how she strategizes positions, hasn't gotten out of thinking about it in a very jujitsu-centric way. Yeah. And I think if she wants to go to the next level, yes, striking, of course, the fight start on the feet, but let's get her ground and pound up to speed. If you do that, it's going to open up so many more avenues for her on the ground. I think she's too naturally talented and... She has
1: very good intangibles like her toughness and in her in her drive that I think she's too good not to have a run where she figures it out. I just wonder if it's gonna happen next. I mean, you can argue that if if it doesn't happen soon, it never will, but I, I don't know. Again, is it is it, you know, does she need to game plan better? Does she need to commit more? I don't know. Whatever it is, Luke, I think she's gonna figure it out eventually. It's just will it be too late by that time? Who knows? We'll see. Luke, we gotta close with what? What do we got here? Some combat sports, uh, prediction angles story yeah so we to you-
0: watch i'm going to pitch five at you and you tell me how significant or real they are for 2023 this ready is here combat we go
1: sports in general these are the biggest headlines right
0: yeah combat sports in general all right okay go ahead here's one are you, are you buying or are you selling nate diaz boxing jake paul on pay-per-view i'm gonna sell that luke
1: it Ooh. seems like the the fight to make for sure but, but i just i don't know i wonder just as we looked at jake boxing against anderson we're like damn he did get better and you know what i mean in in like in this silo he's young hungry and tough man that's not a great fight for nate diaz at the end of the day i think nate's gonna look around and go you know what i have other ways to make money there's other things i can do in the fight space necessarily than needing to go all in on this or nothing um for all we know he could end up back in in you get news that he re-signed for one fight with the UFC to Trilogy Connor. Who knows? So I think Nate uh, Jake's more likely to go the Tommy Fury Road, and then we'll see where we go from there. But um, I'm going to sell on that, Luke. And I can't believe, like, because just, you know, even, like, the day of the Silva fight, if you would ask me, BC, would you be fired up next for Nate versus Jake? It's like, yeah, damn right I would. Let's see some trash talk. Let's do it. But that fight's not going to be great, right?
0: I think Jake wins it if they do have it. All right, number two. Gervonta Davis versus Ryan Garcia. Now we don't even know if it's going to happen because of course Gervonta has court issues. He has a, he has a trial in February and hello. He has to fight in DC in January, but let's assume that they actually do make it. It it actually reaches the finish line. Where are you on it selling a million pay-per-view buys?
1: Okay. I first of all, buy huge that it will happen because don't forget Ryan Garcia just turned off the idea of a January 28th, stay busy fight to to get ready. So I think we're going to see it um yeah i think it does more pay-per-view buys than people realize because like this is the fight in boxing that we don't get enough of these because boxing has so many um entities that are opposite each other naturally from a business sense networks promoters and and we tend to see them typically only come together when fighters are older more established their brands have been more built up and they're sort of the storyline want like there was for pay Mac- uh, mayweather pacquiao and also like there is right now for spence uh versus crawford but obviously the spence crawford problem is they're going to be like 35 soon These guys are young enough. They have their own fan bases that are almost separate from boxing because of how much they cross over in pop culture, on social media, have relationships with some big, you know, big stars in the acting music game, all that stuff. Um, I think this does like uh, the potential for like one five. I mean, dude, one in this era, one million pay-per-view buys in the streaming era is is very impressive one one million pay-per-view buys in the Mayweather Pacquiao era was very impressive one and a half in this era when not involving like Floyd and Connor dude you know not involving like a fantasy circus matchup this is like a rare bird right now and I think you'll see it and it will do very well
0: okay number three BC what happens with the U? I'm just going to call it this but what happens with the UFC's James Krause problem in 2023 And I don't just mean James Krause. I mean all of the ways in which it affects the rest of the business.
1: I mean, Dana's finally being honest. I don't know if you saw that sit-down interview he did with Okamoto, where in the past, he was sort of like, no, this won't be a big deal. Now he's like, no, this is absolutely, potentially, you know, massively destructive. That's why we're going to nip it in the bud. They're going to go after whoever they end up finding at the conclusion of the investigation, whether it's, you know, Minner, or whether it's Krause, or whether those guys really didn't do anything. We don't know yet, Luke, okay? But whoever had any connectivity to this is going to get hammered out shoeless Joe Jackson style so that nothing ever actually happens again so this will be a big headline that will have long-term things I just think that in some ways maybe it came at the right time and had a big enough name and an established coach and former fighter in Krauss, where everyone took it seriously enough so that this won't happen a year from now involving like a active champion who may or may not be suspected of like you know fixing a fight that's when it goes to like you can't fix it levels. Uh, this may be perfect timing for UFC that it happened at this level. They put in all the sanctioning. Now all the eyes are open. The fighters are aware. The coaches are where you can F up your entire career in one, in one time getting caught in this. Don't touch it. That's what I think what plays out with
0: that. number four. I actually feel like we're going to see some big, Women's boxing fights in 2023. I think we're due for a Serrano Taylor rematch. You could do uh, who is it, Marshall and Shields again? You mm-hmm. could do even uh, Mayor and Bumgarner again, yes. right? Like there's a bunch of different ways now, those are all rematches, they're not organic, fresh, new matchups. But BC women's boxing had a pretty good year in 2022. Oh, great! I think yeah. that's only going to continue in 2023. What do you think? And when fights like
1: I mean, here's what we got. Look, I was asked on the Showtime Boxing podcast with Raskin Mulvaney, um, my guys, like, you know, what was your biggest, biggest moment or biggest headline of 2022 for boxing? Like, without even, without even like hesitating, like, I had to make sure it was this calendar year and I wasn't just washed and I had the wrong year. But without even hesitating, I'm like, Taylor Serrano and what it did for women's boxing because, like, biggest stakes ever, biggest fight ever. They put it in Madison Square Garden, the main event, and it over delivered. So,
0: over delivered.
1: you talk, I mean, is that a Rousey versus Carmoosh or Serrano versus like cyborg moment equivalent to MMA? No, different, but but ju- could be just as impactful from the idea of like girls watching on from home and going, Oh my god, I could do that. Like that could have an impactful thing that goes well beyond that we realize. But the immediate impact to your point is networks and promoters who let's give them credit. Last couple of years, more networks and promoters were positioning women in key spots and, you know, even Showtime had a good run with Clarissa Shields before, uh, you know, the business relationships changed and put her in big fights on Showtime, obviously top rank and zone and all that. Eddie Hearn's been big on it too. Um Now that, you know, a fight like Taylor Serrano being that great. Now Michaela Mayer gets the chance to be in big headlining bouts. Yeah. You're going to see a, an aggressive matchmaking because people are realizing that the product at that, at the elite level is very good. The problem that women's boxing will have and always, has in cycles is that depth depth is a problem and let's give mma credit not in every division but mma since coming on the scene has been able to consistently rebuild the depth and get new young fighters that are better than ever before there, that, there may be a, a stretch of that in women's boxing, but if there is, it's going to be based on what happened in Madison Square Garden that night because it has that big of a ripple effect. So give me that rematch, and you're right, Luke. Give me some big ones here. Let's
0: do it. All right, last but not least, BC, and you kind of indicated it before when we talked about it with Fedor, but Bellator going to CBS, I mean, I, here's the thing. Like obviously, we work for Showtime, and Bellator being on Showtime is, is obviously great for, for both parties, but it is behind a paywall, right? There is something that could dissuade people from catching it from a wider, broader audience. It's not unfair to say that CBS has a much broader audience. Hello, it's CBS, the channel, of course. So Beltor being on CBS uh, is great, and, you know, I'm told that if things go well with Fedor, there could be on CBS multiple times a year. Now, nothing of that is written in stone. None of that is guaranteed. A lot of this depends on the performance, but that's what sort of makes me sort of curious about it all. Like, don't get me wrong. Bellator being on CBS is great. It's great for Bellator. I think it's great for CBS. They wouldn't be doing it if they didn't think they were going to win on it. But it's not as, how do I say this, like earth shattering as it was when Strike Force was on CBS the first time. To your point, they've been on Fox, UFC's been on Fox, they've been on ABC. So it's a huge deal and it's a big question about what can happen here. But BC, if Bellator does well with Fedor on CBS and they have multiple shows a year on CBS, i mean that is you know listen the ufc has only grown in profile in the espn era i think some of these other promotions your ones and your pfls and whoever like a shot in the arm from cbs to bellator it's not going to completely alter the landscape of the business but definitely 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 could re reestablish them as a number two
1: i mean there's no better flick through content <clears throat> than elite combat sports now in the streaming era are people actually doing that anymore are they going channel by channel and just whatever comes oh that looks interesting i don't know i get you know i mean not everybody has all the technology and apps that we do look i'm sure there's a lot of america that does it old school but oh by the way cbs also the most most watched network in america so this is a great gamble but to be fair we don't know what this the post streaming era is going to do to the numbers here but even comparative not but you can't ultimately compare these numbers to what Kimbo and Bell, you know, and Strikeforce did with Fedor back in the day. But for what's expected today, it may just be the perfect storm that that's why I think Fedor might reconsider. And that's why, you know, we've talked about that after AJ McKee first beat Patricio the first meeting. It's like, damn, that's the guy to put on CBS. If you want to like, you know, get people excited that there's this next big thing. Now, look, he lost, but he's coming back all that. But there are, you know, let's give Scott Coker credit, Luke. He does play the hits. He does know what works. And the, the Grand Prix with the legit one million dollar prize on top are 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 fun as heck. And this is an old Scott Coker playbook move, but there's no reason why this isn't a classic move that could still work. So I'm just as interested as a fan as I am as a you know CBS Paramount employee to see if this if this can hit, if this can really be something. So I'm excited. I'm excited. So Luke, my five angles to watch. You ready for this? I want your reaction. All right, let's do it. Okay. Number one, Luke. Seriously, here, if Mahachev becomes the UFC pound for pound king, and Usman Nurmagomedov becomes the Bellator potentially pound for pound king, and uh, who's the other Nurmagomedov? Umar, that's you know could be in the top five by the end of the year in his weight class. Habib Nurmagomedov has got a great shot to be your 2023 MMA Coach of the
0: Year. I can't really disagree with that, especially if those things come to fruition. If Usman wins the 155 Grand Prix in Bellator, if if Mahachev beats. Um, Volkanovsky in Perth and then defends it against, you know, whoever. Um, And then to your point about the rest of Umar and do that, that whole, that whole crew is just nothing but winners. They've been training hard their whole lives. They now have a very elite. I think what folks really misunderstand is yes, these guys have been training hard for a long time and they've got good coaches, but they, it seems to me, you see, the thing that's lost is and every, every elite gym has a good system, but Nurmagomedov and that whole team, they have great systems in place, both for camps, for long-range trainings, like, what are we going to do over the next year? Everything is planned, everything is hard-nosed, everything is meticulous, and the results speak for themselves. Dude, Habib is on the precipice of not just being the greatest lightweight of ever, which, of course, is something of a debate and ongoing, but, you know, probably is, but coach of the year, co- one of the best coaches we've seen, he really is leaning to this hardcore, and the results are not accidental at all. And,
1: and no one's forgetting that, you know, he's taken the the, the reins from his father, Abdul the late uh trainer, and you know, who's an institution in Dagestan in, in being such a great coach and teaching this discipline, and obviously Javier Mendez as well on the team at aka, but Fedor's going to be the face of this moving forward. And when you talk to people on the inside, as we do, the all the Fedor, all the Habib stories, did I say Fedor? All the Habib stories are amazing, Luke, because um the intensity, the dedication, the commitment to de- tiny details. I mean, you know. Yeah, he, he, like dude. The guy's the guy's wi- wildly successful in this space, Luke. It's incredible. Number two angle to watch. I'm not predicting this. I don't necessarily, you know, I don't want Dana White to lose money here, but I just have this weird feeling that the Dana White slap dick league is going to be slapdick league is going to be over before it starts, Luke. Meaning, you know, maybe we get a couple episodes out of it, but I, I just dude, it's to me, it's just such a bad look with somebody like like you would never see the NFL commissioner put out a dicey message as it pertains to like CTE and head trauma, which is one of the biggest things that the NFL builds, like changes its rules to try to protect, which is junior sale like incidents. You know what I mean? And taking great care of the fighters long or the, 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 the you know, the football players long-term like yet Dana White on the flip side, who would, you know, be best advised and typically is to not talk about head trauma and all that, unless they're saying, well, we have, you know, PI plans where you can get, you know, all that doctor and healthcare and all that. That's, that's what we should be talking about. Yeah. You're putting out this product that is being promoted with the power engine. That is the UFC. That is just no defense. And is completely opposite to that. Um, is it going to be an injury? Is it going to be that nobody cares? Or is it just going to come across in bad taste? Either way, Luke, I mean, you remember when Dana White put out that boxing reality series, I watched the first episode. I thought it was cool and good. And then it fell off the network. Cause nobody watched it and it was gone. Um, I just have a feeling like this will be the... Like we used to say about Vince McMahon, this will be the XFL on his legacy. You know, this will be that one albatross. Like, you know, like this feels like... out. I mean, Zufa boxing was too, Luke, to be fair. But this feels like Zufa boxing all over again, doesn't it? I mean,
0: the whole thing is just so ridiculous. And on top of it, like how they're trying to use the ufc's architecture i mean quite literally the architecture of the apex that's where a lot of this happens and also like the way in which they have teams and there's like a like a a, a, a what do they call them slappers they're not fighters a slapper house and the and the yeah, uniforms talk. that they have like they've it's borrowed what? they've borrowed every element and then just repackaged it for this and on top of it like they're leaning heavily and expecting mma fans and to an extent even mma media to just sort of go along with it like by inundating us with this messaging my my understanding is it's an eight episode deal that they have with tbs starting in january i think it probably runs through eight episodes and then that's it, that's it they call it a day yeah
1: i i don't see this becoming a phenomenon and i think it's just a bad look for the company uh number three luke i mentioned about fedor not being done obviously luckily he's got a puncher's chance against bader and all this but be prepared for this angle if fedor <laughs> knocks out ryan bader on cbs and in theory, retires in the moment as the Bellator heavyweight champion to, in you know, avenging a loss by knockout as the cherry on top. Dude, he's going to hit MMA fans, especially old ones or ones being brought back in directly in the field spot. This is Randy versus Sylvia or even Ngannou versus Gone, like on steroids, Luke. What is he, 45? I mean, this would be wild.
0: Yeah, I mean, given the response that we saw in the Timothy Johnson fight and how happy people were, and granted that was in Russia, which, of course, had a different kind of sensibility about everything. But to your point, if he goes in there and then floors Bader, who, by the way, has not looked great of recent um, and c- claims the title and then crowns his career that way, dude, it would be massive, massive in the fields, massive for like also restoring Fedor's reputation a little bit, which, you know, yeah. he's fighting well past the point where he probably should. I completely agree.
1: Number four, Luke, we've hit this ad nauseum so we can do it quick, but the more I keep talking about this scenario and this statement it might actually be true. Jaron this, the unbeaten welterweight who comes back January 7th on Showtime Pay-Per-View, like he actually might be the best fighter in the world right now. Only like no one would call him that because he hasn't proven it and it's so right. early and he's trying so hard to get big time names, but every step up, I mean, he's it's not just demolishing. We've seen people, I mean, look at Edgar Berlanga was knocking everybody out in the first round. People can demolish people, but it's It's the way he sets it up. It's everything that makes him so next-level dynamic. He's a video game fighter who's come to life as a 23-, 24-year-old on the verge of the title level. Luke, we've gushed about him ad nauseum, but it's for a reason. I don't know if he could be the fighter of the year next year if he ends up getting the big enough names to do it. Either way, he will use 2023 as a way to – invade boxing because he's coming on and you, you can't get in the way of it at
0: this point yeah he's going to become a lot of people's favorite fighter by the end of next year to your point the only thing that can hold him back and by the way he's co-main event on that uh tank davis and hector garcia fight in dc of the pay the showtime pay-per-view so you'll get to see boots ennis in the co-main event role but the only issue holding him back is can he get the fights he needs that i don't know but whoever they line up in front of him, they're in trouble
1: well, he'll become the mandatory for Spence in one belt. I think he already is in another alphabet organ. Like he'll yeah, get he already somebody. is in IBF. Okay, what if he? So he's fighting Karen Trakadzian in January. If he if he wins that, could he fight Staniosis or Ugas? Fights that I think we would like, or could he fight Spence or Crawford if they don't no. fight each other? Or I mean, Spence,
0: Spence and Crawford aren't going to fight him, but 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 Ugas or somebody else like a just a tick down. I think they will.
1: All right, number five angle to watch for the new year is this, Luke. Really, the only bad thing you can say about the UFC this year is, you know, we didn't get Conor or John Jones, so some of those big-ticket crossover event-type pay-per-views just didn't happen. Instead, you got great fights and big upsets. But it is time for the UFC's next era of pay-per-view stars to stand up and improve it. So that could be established guys already like Volkanovski and even Adesanya who have a certain platform but haven't raised it. Either way, Luke, We are somewhat dependent right now on, on, on old names, which isn't, you know, it happens in transitional phases, but right now when you look like who could headline a pay-per-view that like mainstream sports fans would care about, I think that list is small and dependent upon age and injury and comeback more than it is on fights we can make next. Are you looking at anybody that may end up using this calendar year of doing just that, putting themselves in a position to be like a pay-per-view draw?
0: Um, well, that's a uh, hard for me to answer that one quickly. Um, um uh, I have to think about that one for a second. Um, man, I wonder if, no, because Cejudo's been out for a while. So no, Volkanovsky maybe, but I still don't know about that. 155, it's kind of hard to say. Makachev. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Makachev, honestly, with that Habib rub, if he just keeps yeah. on if he beats Volkanovsky and he has like a big name opponent, they end up finding a way to get him Connor or something. Yeah, like he could actually turn it. Even though he's not as dynamic as Habib, I'm not saying the same level in terms of like what he could do. Cause but you know, he literally has
1: Habib standing next to him. Like literally. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, like
0: there's just, there's so much wind at his back and he's got so much ability. The combined two forces, it, it it might be big for him next year. It really might. I mean ha- Hamzat could be that guy, right? Cuz he, he has he has the attitude
1: of of like a pay-per-view headliner, either villain or you think he's a badass. I mean, he could be that guy. So we'll see.
0: And then don't forget, dude, like I said it before in our predictions for welterweight I've man. He's much more quiet and he doesn't have the same kind of, you know, bulldog on a chain kind of uh uh way of looking at like a Hamzat Chermayev. But I'm telling you, man, that dude is going to be an assassin, and I think that's going to start playing off on his aura, so to speak. Pay-per-view star, I don't know, but, you know, yeah, big Yeah, I don't know
1: about that. I don't know about that. Hell, wait, to finally, to close here. If there's ever any female fighters, like Rondo, pay-per-view star, Holly Holm and Misha Tate, like, you know, they needed to be B-sides, but they're stars. Amanda and Valentina have, you know, in different ways, have crossed over, but never, never in a high level. Is there any female fighters that... Have that long-term potential that maybe we don't even realize right now?
0: Not Kayla? for 2023. No, but you got with no. these young ones, the barbers, the, the Mavericks, the Blanchfields, and some other ones as well. I think long term, yes, but for 2023, too soon. Yeah, too soon. Yeah.
1: There it is, Luke. I got nothing left to give the people. All right. Well, here. then
0: that's it for us today. So thumbs up on the video if you're if you haven't done it yet. Please subscribe. Once again, Merry Christmas, happy holidays, however you celebrate or not. Don't drink and drive. Don't text and drive. Be good to each other. Be safe. BC, any final message for the audience before we go?
1: Um, we, we love you folks. Not that, that that doesn't necessarily mean Luke wants to shake all of your hands or, you know, welcome you onto our show or really any further into our lives beyond you clicking play on that video. But even in that Grinch's heart, he knows we're here because
0: I mean, th- none of those things are true. I shook everyone's hand in Las Vegas. What you should yeah. say is the producers may not want uh, us shaking everyone's hands, but That's old, LT, old LT is all reliable when it comes to that.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, you're a stand up guy in person. I'm more of the slimy weasel. No, um, but no, thank you. Thank you, folks. I mean, I, I so I had this moment, Luke, just real quick to close the holiday season. Yes, please. I'd,
0: we have a whole other thing to do here.
1: I had this moment of taking the train back from uh, when we were in uh, Jersey City most recently and really doing one of those like, yo, this is our fucking job, man. i mean like this is our job like this is this isn't even like community theater this is like getting drunk and doing skits you know to make fun of your friends and we do this for a living and it's like you know thank you people out there legitimately for allowing us to play our passions out what's your passion bc dick jokes so thank you for that no seriously though you get my point Luke. you do once in a while have to pinch yourself whether us in this job or the people watching at home when you come home and you have a happy healthy family and you got great animals and you know and you're just like you know life is good life is always going to be challenging there's ups and downs but you know stop and take a look around once in a while as ferris bueller said um we only get one of them and it doesn't last forever um you know so i'm very happy Luke. i'm very happy man
0: there you have it. All right, for the crews at Mulca and Showtime and CBS Sports, that's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. Happy holidays to you. Have merry – or I should say Happy New Year as well. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. Until then, may all of your gains be loyal.